MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 27th, 2020. Today, the South Carolina Democratic debate. Another Trump hire faces scrutiny. Trump tightens his grip on the intelligence community. Steve Bannon is criming again. The White House purges disloyal executive branch employees. Trump makes remarks on the coronavirus threat. And Devin Nunes is under investigation. Again. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. How are you? Good. I mean, I just literally, before I came into the studio, listened to Trump's coronavirus press Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, briefing. So... And now you have coronavirus. (laughs) God. I just... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we're going to get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and first of all, I want to say that I love your daisies dress. Oh, thanks. It's a, it's a onesie. It has pockets. It has, yes. it a, has pockets. It's the best. Dude, every time. Yes. My wedding yeah. dress had pockets, and that was all I could talk about. Amazing. It's very exciting. It is. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about pockets in a dress. Mm-hmm. Well, they're under-delivered. Yeah? I think, yes, in women's clothing, typically. Over-promised, yeah. under-delivered? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, Yes. <laughs> I'm just thinking of how many fucking jeans I have where there's pockets in the front, but they're sewed shut. Why? Why? For the pleasure of other people looking at my pants to think, oh, nice pockets. And then That's why I you can't use them. Beta brand eight pocket pants, Jordan. <laughs> yes. God. Everybody loves beta brand dress pants, yoga pants. Yeah. I got to stop actually, shopping at Ross. I actually do. That's probably my main issue. <laughs> Our code. We'll get some more. Uh, petroleum, no pocket pocketed pants. Yeah. Or you could just go with the opposite and get those cargo pants that have 900 pockets oh, in them. Dude, mm. I fucking love cargo pants. <laughs> I showed Ryan them one day. I was like, hey, I really want these. And he was like, okay. I'm like, okay. Good enough. Good, good enough. Th- thanks. Yeah. That's all I need to know. Is that that's a general response. I got an, okay. <laughs> okay is better than fuck no. Right? Yeah. You have a wardrobe that would suggest that you hike a lot. Right, and Even I do you don't. nothing. Yeah, I do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Want to go to Cole's Mountain? No. <laughs> no. All, all this stuff sounds great in theory, and then I'm on the mountain, and every sound I hear, I'm like, ah! <laughs> like, freak the fuck out. But you like wolf shirts and cargo pants. Oh, yeah. One cool. day, one day I'll retreat into the mountains peacefully. <laughs> one day. I'll go quietly one day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I am glad that uh, everyone's doing relatively okay, despite <laughs> the coronavirus mm-hmm. and the BS. If you guys listen to the show Monday, mm-hmm. can I tell everyone? Oh, yeah. Dude. <sighs> it's just a saga at this point. And it's- so if you listen to Monday's show, you've, you you heard about my deep, like asking to take robe off, you rolling mm-hmm. out of a Uber. And you had gotten your windshield broken mm-hmm. uh, in two places Yeah, uh, by people throwing rocks on yep. Pacific Highway. Glass shattered into my car. And, of course, because of deductibles uh, and because insurance companies suck, mm-hmm. you, you, you had to pay out of pocket to yep. have a new windshield installed. Yep. And because your apartment parking pass was on your old broken windshield of death, mm-hmm. your car got towed from your apartment Last complex. night. Yep. I woke up and I went to go into work. Early in the morning, um, just a freelance writing job that I have, you know, and I look for my car and I was like, fuck, <laughs> did I 
park in a visitor spot accidentally i like i I, completely i just completely forgot that i was that i had to replace the parking permit do you do what i do and blame myself first uh like i'm like oh i must have lost my car or left it somewhere and i'm not familiar or like yeah like i lost my car yes yeah i thought maybe i'm parked like on the other side of the complex or something and i and i like just completely don't remember but then i'm like no i very distinctly remember (laughs) parking in that spot my car is fucking gone and it's the same towing company that towed my car a few years ago when I had parked. I had parked. Just towing people are like the DMV of services. At least you get that something from the DMV of a building. half the time. Yes. It's just so fucking bad. Anyways. So, yeah. My car got towed. And I just don't understand how they towed my car like... It's my fault, first off, because I have to accept personal responsibility for that. There are rules. They were following the rules. But... You got back after midnight. You can't go get a new parking permit after midnight. I got back back after everything is closed. I spaced. There's still tape on my window shield from just being replaced. They see my car there every single night. I've been there for like eight months. I park in like the same spot every time. Mm -hmm. And they still towed my car and then when i called them they're like trying to do me a favor like oh yeah i'm sorry that really sucks well you get a discounted rate though with this lot i'm like what kind of bullshit is that you have a deal with the res like what ew yeah eat the rich yeah (laughs) anyway so now i'm like 500 dollars out of money because some fucking dipshit had to throw rocks Mm. sending bad (sighs) karma to that guy Mm -hmm. bad karma to you rock guy Mm. yeah (laughs) Hope Mercury crashes into his windshield. <laughs> I mean, if he's had a place in his life where he's just sitting on the side of the freeway throwing rocks, I imagine karma has already caught up to him. I'm feeling he's a Trump voter. Yes. Sneaking in a little bit more there, karma, though. Yeah. Just, yeah. Something. Even if it's, you know, slamming his, you know, you slam your finger in the door. Yeah, Do totally. That. That'll, 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 that'll be something. Totally. Just weird. If it is the Mercury thing, then I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah. March 17th. Something like that. Happy St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, we do have some other good news. Uh, (laughs) um, So why don't we do that? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So it was, first of all, ABC should never host a debate again. Yeah. (laughs) Their moderators. Was it CBS? Oh. CBS. Oh, okay. CBS. Whoever the fuck Um... it was. Yeah, no, I think it was CBS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, CBS News and uh, and the DNC. Yep, and then the Black congr- the Congressional Black yeah, Caucus. The, yeah, there was like a f- yeah a few different groups mm-hmm. that had to come together to put that event on. And when it first started, you know, compared to the last debate where they had that awkward moment where all the candidates lined up in front of the podiums, you know, and then they like missed <laughs> yeah. a sound cue and they were all just sitting there. Um, they nailed the intro in this one, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, these people are on top of their shit. There was like this good music and all these cameras like moving around the stage and it looked very choreographed and awesome and then as soon as it started it was like well never mind i guess they also suck <laughs> yeah it was it wasn't good i'm looking up because i i just want to make sure that we have mm-hmm. the network right yeah south carolina to be a cbs cbs yeah it was cbs yeah so yeah um ugh. it mm-hmm. was just and Twitter was aghast. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was like, I can't even watch this. I can't even fucking watch this shit. It was a shit show. Yep. Yep, it really was. And there was like oh, go ahead. Said, there were there were I think um 
Klobuchar, I think, was one of the first people that was like, this is exactly what they want to see right now. People literally yelling over each other and everybody going insane. And and that's a win for them. And there, after she said it, it was like she blew her load too quickly, sort of, because it, it could have been said 20 different times throughout the night because it just kept happening. Yeah. And it became like a hack to even reference it at a certain point. That's how often it was happening. It was just, it was incredibly like... I don't know. I don't want to say embarrassing or anything, but it was it was just like, dudes, Buddha judge was talking over people so much. He but was calmly. He was. <laughs> I think that was his strategy. He's like, while Bernie's yelling, I'll speak calmly while he's talking. Yeah. And then he'll look like a crazy person. Yes. I think that was a specific strategy. I think you're right. Um, everybody uh, went after Bernie except for Warren, who kept going after Bloomberg. I thought that was a wasted opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, do you want me to go into yeah, that? Thing? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, so South Carolina is where it happened. Uh, most yelling and talking over each other that we've seen, right? Yeah, like, by easily, far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moderators, like you said, got a lot of shit for not doing a great job moderating. Just so many moments where there's, it was like four-way yelling fights. It was crazy. It, and they wouldn't say anything. I Sorry to interrupt you. No, no worries. But it bothered me that the, the moderators wouldn't say anything when everyone was yelling. No. But they would immediately, they would get, your time's up, time's up, time's up, time's up, time's up, time's up, time's up. Like they, that was, they were perfectly clear yeah. about telling people their minute and 15 seconds were up. Right. But not, mm-hmm. but not interjecting to stop yelling, cross yelling. Yeah. It was, I felt like towards the end, they kind of started to sort of try to rein it in, but it was just such a too little, too late thing at that point. But yeah, Bernie was attacked. Like immediately, obviously, that was going to happen. Coming out of the first three states, he's pretty much the front runner at this point. Again, only three states. His poll numbers are inching closer and closer to Joe's in South Carolina. And he was just attacked by virtually every candidate on the stage, which meant he had a lot of time to get to directly respond, actually. So in a way, that kind of winds up backfiring because it's like the more you call him out directly, the more he gets to talk. And that's why I was upset about Warren continuing to name check Bloomberg, because mm-hmm. every time she name checked Bloomberg, Bloomberg got a chance to talk. Yes. Like, you keep giving him airtime. Yep. Knock it off. And Bloomberg obviously had a lot of nonsensical support in that crowd compared to the last debate. Well, it was like a $1,745 ticket to get in. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'm not saying that people who have $1,745 to spend to go see a debate are bad people. Right. Or rich people or Mm -hmm. elitists. Or I'm not trying to make that connection at all. Um, but Bernie and Bloomberg did get, uh, a lot of support in that crowd. And I I couldn't quite figure out the Bernie support. Interesting. I thought Bernie did not get hardly any support compared. Yeah. But then again, I mean, I'm biased because Bernie's my dude. I heard a lot of Buddha judge booze and, uh. Bernie got straight booed multiple times throughout mm -hmm. the night. Bloomberg didn't get booed. Maybe like, maybe once like a small pocket of people kind of booed him. They were also... There were also like Bloomberg ads throughout the debate. That was fucked up. Right. That was, that was, it was, I mean, first of all, the fact that you had to pay almost $2,000 to get access to this. I'm not, again, it's not, it's not saying that you're a bad person, but the average per- person doesn't have that much to spend. That's like God, no. way more than the average person. Or the time to go. Rent. Oh, yeah. Right. So I'm assuming considering Bernie does best with young people and people who don't have a lot of money. Um, they're not not going to be his biggest fans in the audience. Mm-hmm. People might err more towards a moderate candidate, so mm-hmm. it makes sense. Bernie got a lot of booze, but there were um, pro Bloomberg ads like throughout the debate. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just, we'll call mean, him Bloomberg. 
And even they weren't even like they weren't even like there was one ad where it was um you know the thing they do during the debate sometimes where they sort of like shrink the advertisement yeah. down while still having all the debate branding around yeah. it? Screen and screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's Bloomberg ads with like debate branding on it, like backed up by the DNC. Can you imagine how high they set the price of that ad too? They're like, mm. dude, to do a political ad for yourself on this is going to cost like a billion dollars. And he was probably just like, okay. I bet it was <laughs> the other way around. I bet oh, you yeah. went to the network and said, I want an ad. And they go, we can't do that. And he goes, how about if I give you $8 million? And they go, okay. Yep. Yep. Um, I happen to personally know what that's right. like. Mm-hmm. Not with the $8 million. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I would be gone right now. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I would but, still be here for you. But <laughs> uh, you just like dip out like you're in the lottery. Remember <laughs> <laughs> him to that Tempt AG? I got into this for the money. Peace. <laughs> you living on Bloomberg Island. God, right? <laughs> Better than Jeffrey Epstein Island. Oh, that is true. Oh. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I totally gave Sorry, me guys. hardcore chills. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no i i i see yeah. i see both your points on that yeah it's- right well i thought i mean you saw the i have this in one of the clips but but bernie well yeah i'll just go right into what he was attacked on virtually every candidate on the stage attacked him like i said makes total sense um he, he got attacked for putin supporting him he got attacked for his comments about cuba and other authoritarian regimes that are like really really on brand with a consistent critique about him and being too close to socialism and communism and let's just roll that clip right here. Hey, Mr. Putin, if I'm president of the United States, trust me, you're not going to interfere in any more American elections. I, I'm, I'm hearing my name mentioned a little bit tonight. <laughs> I, I wonder why. To. I have opposed authoritarianism all over the world. What I said is what Barack Obama said in terms of Cuba, that Cuba made progress on education. Yes, I think. Really? <clears throat> Really? Yes, literacy programs no are bad. What Barack Obama, Barack Obama said is they made great progress on education and health care. That was Barack Obama. So in the end there, you hear two things that happened to Bernie throughout the night. One was the booing and the other was being talked over by Pete Buttigieg. So the, mo- the moment when so people go, boo, when he says, you know, the comment, like reiterating that some some regimes did something that's that's like positive and you have to just acknowledge that and then you just hear like two lone boos boo and then he goes really yeah <laughs> really <laughs> he was mad like, about that he was and then pete fucked up because pete says you know we have to he, he he baked this line too he thought about it he wrote it uh the night before or at least in prep yeah when he said something about you know, Donald Trump wants to take us back to the 50s and Rup. Bernie Sanders wants to mm-hmm. us to have the polit- the political revolutions of the 60s. Yep. Mm-hmm. And failed to remember that that's when civil rights happened. Mm-hmm. Uh he was re- he was referencing Cuba. Yeah. But didn't mention it and he his he said that and he was like did a little yeah yeah and then and then somebody tweeted it out and then within 20 minutes that tweet came down because everyone was like um hey Yes. Civil Rights Act. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just sort of a, a definite misstep yeah. mm-hmm. uh, for Buttigieg. And I'm really surprised nobody in his campaign went, hey, isn't that when the thing happened? Yeah. Especially considering he's trying to get more black support right now. Yes. Not a great... Not a great misstep for no, him. No, not not a great misstep. And and I think that he's also feeling pretty emboldened right now because of how well he's been doing, which is fair. And he should feel emboldened. He's new. He's hot in terms of like on the town 
or like he's also hot though yeah did yeah. you see his beard <laughs> yes i heard that that was doctored there's oh, a like damn it but no. i don't know that's but yeah good but, beard. <laughs> there's him getting attention he's hot stuff right yes now. that's what i mean mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He's, he he's getting attention he's new <laughs> he's smart he's articulate mm-hmm. he's pretty likable you know he's <laughs> moderate can i just say that what broke my heart about pete this i know week? i know what it is i know and I, I, I bet I, I can guess you can the pill it's yeah. when yeah. he said if yeah. he could take a yeah, if mm-hmm. he could take a pill and not be gay. It's so sad. And then then the camera focused on Chaston and and Chaston's all hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was and I know what he means. Right. Yeah. I know course. what he means. Right. It is harder to in some in many ways to exist as a gay person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I understand that. Mm-hmm. But to, to he keeps sort of mentioning these things like the 60s revolution and taking a pill to not be gay without putting it in the context of don't mm-hmm. get me wrong first. Right. Yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. Context. Yep. And it's just sad because there are so many young gay kids or, you know, L- LGBT kids from various areas of the spectrum who are looking up to him thinking, wow, this is mm-hmm. the first gay presidential candidate and he has this huge platform. Mm-hmm. And rather than say something like, you know what? Being gay has given me strength and a perspective I mm-hmm. wouldn't otherwise have. He says that. And it's well, just, did you see the I other nine-year-old? I get it, but it's about yeah. context. It's did, just disappointing. Did you see the other clip of the nine-year-old who puts in a question and it's read by somebody else and it's basically asking, how do you be so brave to come out? And I'm nine years old and mm-hmm. I'm gay and I want to know. And can you how, help? Can, yeah. you, can you, with your strength, help me tell the world I'm gay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, are you in the crowd? And then he raises his hand, you know, and then... He decides, you know, he gets like ushered on mm-hmm. stage and he comes and he's very, you know, trepidatious and like nervous looking. And Pete has a moment where he's just talking directly to a nine year old, mm-hmm. answering a question that I think is very difficult to answer in a way that comes off as incredibly, you know, as sincere as the response deserves. And it's just a tough situation that's tough, but also mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. And I think Pete did a pretty good job handling okay. it. I loved it. Yeah, okay. it was really, it was really yeah. sweet. You're here ans- asking that question in front of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need any help with, good. with bravery. Mm-hmm. But I but I will tell you this. And then he went on and gave him some like mm-hmm. some other yeah. advice. I so that was, that was some, that, that was some counter good vibes yeah. to the all of the bad vibes that I totally agree with you, though. That's, yeah. that's a very like disempowering thing to hear as a queer person mm-hmm. but his bad vibe like i said I, the, his bad vibes on these on these misssteps are not intentional no dickhead mm-hmm. no no not moves. at all i don't think so right. either it's not just at all. Mm-hmm. it's like bernie stop talking about fidel castro i know right, he brought totally. up but just like <laughs> just say eh, it was 30 years ago it was stupid yeah He's an asshole next question yes let's yeah. talk about healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yes. like Absolutely. I think for him, yeah. it very much bothers him on principle that he's getting treated differently for comments that other people have said who have not gotten the same shit for it. Mm-hmm. And it's because he has policies that align with a more socialist view. And that's why people are latching on to them. And I think that, you know, it's it's a fair thing to be frustrated about. But I agree with you. I don't think it's a thing to really hang on to publicly right mm-hmm. now. No, but I understand the inclination mm-hmm. totally. to defend yourself. Mm hmm in situations but like again yeah you like pick your battles yes totally and those comments were already used against him before and he's been pointing like i said out uh obama similar comments for a while so i'm curious to see how much people run with this 
part of his past or if they let it go or if he lets it go also because like you said it's getting <laughs> he's the only point. one he's got to let it go he's yeah. got to let it go <laughs> yeah um people are definitely leaning into that narrative though i think is that him being a communism sympathizer and that was happening throughout the the debate and i don't think in general that that part will ever stop so yeah. i I'm, oh yeah I'm, it's like i saw a, a, don't ask me why i watched this but i watched a glenn beck youtube video today <laughs> hate myself it was a rec- it was just like it was a suggested video and i was like let's go down this rabbit hole yeah. i do that sometimes and i and mm-hmm. he was just like Bernie is a commie. <laughs> Just full blown. Barack Obama may have been a socialist, but Bernie is a commie. Is he Wait, still? Oh, Barack Obama funny. was a socialist. That's yeah, amazing. he was like he was like. I Barack forgot. O- I forgot people used to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like Barack Obama had socialist policies, but eventually, you know, dropped dropped radical parts of his platform. But Bernie won't do that because he's a full on commie. And I was like, okay. Barack I like Barack Obama yeah. was a so. Yeah, I like how people know, think right? that. Bernie is going to be any different than every other presidential candidate when they get into office, which is they start with their ideal for a form of a bill, and then it goes through, you know, the process. And it's also the same with the primaries and the general. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if he's the nominee, I'm assuming he'll come to the middle a little bit. Mm -hmm. Probably have to. If he wants to get, you know, the independent vote or the flyover vote or whatever Mm -hmm. you call it. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to. uh, But... Yeah. What do I know? I don't know. Yeah. Who fucking knows? another, Another thing that Bernie is being haunted by in his past this is votes on gun control which Mm -hmm. biden attacked him for pretty heavily in like a pretty intense way using stats about how many people have died since uh, from gun violence since those votes and i think bernie's response was solid it was basically you know look we've all made votes we're not proud of and that's one of mine and i have a gun sense plan now that you can check out on my website that shows how I've changed, and he also made sure to mention that he has a D minus rating with the NRA. So we'll see if that's enough for people. I think that's kind of beating a dead horse at that point. That argument because it's kind of like harping on Warren for having been a Republican. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, that was we've addressed it, right? We've ad- we've addressed it, and here we are right now. Move along. The March yes. for Our Lives kids are behind Bernie too. Yeah, yeah. Cameron Caskey. Mm-hmm. Cameron Caskey's a Bernie person right mm-hmm. now. He was like a Yang Gang guy. Mm. Um, but now that... Yang Gang guy. Yang Gang guy. <laughs> <laughs> but now that he's out, he seems to be supporting Bernie. Um, but moving on to Warren, I thought Warren did really great in this debate. She definitely seemed, I think, the most posed and collected. Maybe uh, during the Bloomberg, some of the Bloomberg exchanges, she kind of leaned in on things that... It doesn't seem like the crowd was really for like she had she had a couple kill lines in there that I think in another environment may have gotten an applause break. But Mm -hmm. here they just didn't like when Bloomberg was challenging her about the accusation that he had asked the woman to get an abortion. Mm -hmm. And he's like, where are you getting that from? And Mm -hmm. Warren said her own words. Mm -hmm. And I I was expecting like an applause from that because that's such a part of I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, fucking believe women or two. Right. After the debate, why'd you push that? Yeah, and I believe women. Yes, and I don't think that she should be faulted for that exchange at all. Unfortunately, though, I think people kind of saw that exchange and put it in their pocket as another like histrionic woman moment. Well, it's like when you're a comic, you tell a joke that's gold and it doesn't hit. People put it in your head. That person's not funny. Yes, Mm -hmm. it's just and it's like no, fuck you guys. You just don't get it. That's why they should not have allow audiences to to make noise at debates. I so Mm -hmm. agree with that. So much, yes, because but, you're you're allowing the audience then to determine how well the momentum of the, the entire the candidates thing. are doing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that should not be what what the 
the viewer uses to determine. I completely agree. I do kind of enjoy watching them, though, and just being like, yeah, now you know what it's like to try to go on stage and make people fucking laugh. <laughs> Joe wouldn't night. run the light. Yeah. Yeah, he would not. He <laughs> was, was very like, aware. And if you'd ever talk to me, I'm out of time. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's, that's so funny. I have a clip for that later because it was like, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. I'll cover that towards the end. But yeah, I think other than that exchange, I think Warren came out pretty strong. Um, I think that she did a really good job talking about public education, which is something mm-hmm. that she's very passionate about. And I think if she's the president, she's going to do a really great job leading that. And even if she's not the president, I hope that whatever position she holds, she'll be able to make a lot of change. But she came out really strongly against public funding going to charter schools, which is something Bloomberg has a really strong history with. So mm-hmm. let's let's check out that clip. My secretary of education will be someone who has taught in public school. My secretary of education will be someone who believes in public education. And my secretary of education will believe that public dollars should stay in public schools. And I've got the clip also here where she has that interaction with Bloomberg that we were just talking about. At least I didn't have a boss who said to me, kill it, the way that I Mayor Bloomberg never alleged said that. have said to one of oh, his on. pregnant employees. People want a chance that- to hear. People want a chance to Senator. hear from I, the women who I have never said that. Senator Warren, that is a very serious charge that you leveled at the mayor. Yes. You told a woman to get an abortion. What evidence do you have of that? Uh, her own words. And a large part of the debate was largely geared towards who has the support of people of color, specifically black voters, because black voters make up a giant chunk of the electorate in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Steyer, Biden and Pete were talking a lot about race throughout different points in the night. But I think Pete won the self-awareness award at one point, <laughs> not not the point with the 60s comment, um, but the point when he acknowledged the problematic nature of there being no candidates of color on stage, no black candidates. Uh, let's hear that. I come at this with a great deal of humility because we have had a lot of issues, especially when it comes to racial justice and policing in my own community. And I come to this with some humility because I'm conscious of the fact that there's seven white people on this stage talking about racial justice. Hey, did you hear, by the way, I think today or Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it was today, Bloomberg was addressing Biden uh, you know, just sort of going after Biden uh, when Biden came at him for stop and frisk. Mm -hmm. And Bloomberg was like, yeah, I might have stopped and frisked everybody, but if it weren't for the crime bill, they wouldn't have been in jail as long or something totally (laughs) ridiculously tone deaf and like, yeah, I might have gotten them there, but they stayed like it was just the Mm. dumbest argument Mm -hmm. I've ever heard. And when he was asked about it in this debate, what he, you know regrets basically like how are how are people supposed to trust him how are black voters supposed to trust that he's actually remorseful about that his answer was basically like i wish we didn't do it as much as we did it when the answer should like he he, like he thinks it went too far but it's like your answer yes your answer should have Mm -hmm. been that entire thing was based on racial profiling and that was really fucked up and that Mm -hmm. was a huge fuck up Mm -hmm. and i have learned since then and worked with the community you know all the other stuff that he's saying because it was just like dude just distance yourself as much as you can from that that was awful yeah the only problem Mm -hmm. with that is sometimes when you admit things yeah you get canceled that's true Mm -hmm. it's like it's hard to tell yep how to apologize for something that you did that was shitty mm-hmm. without getting 
totally canceled for oh he said he did it yep fuck that guy yeah. like yeah like you didn't know already yeah mm-hmm. and you were fine you were sort of on the fence with him sort of lying about it like mm-hmm. and now he's admitted it and fuck that guy like mm-hmm. it's just a mm-hmm. weird not him not this right, right, right. him specifically but sometimes i'm just thinking like if i were a candidate how would i handle that particular thing yes. and i'd be like if i if i came out and told the truth about that was a race that was racist shit that happened mm-hmm. then then are the headlines Bloomberg calls self racist, you know, and yeah. then you're, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to know. Yeah. I appreciate, um, personally people being candid mm-hmm. about that shit, Same, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also am a white person with virtually, you know, no understanding of what that policy was actually like. And just me being, being white, I feel, I feel like his apologies are inadequate and I know that there's a lot of black folks that feel the same way. So he could at least acknowledge that he has no understanding of the lived experiences of right. the people, yeah. which that, is what that, Pete did. That, that happened. Yeah, I saw mm-hmm. him do that. I think it was in his town hall, or was it in the debate? He, d- he did it in the debate, and I'm sure he's doing it elsewhere as well. Because I feel like if you're a white politician talking about race and you're not acknowledging that, then you're fucking up. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is a massive issue with there not being adequate representation of people of color in this country in congress and in legislative positions because how are you supposed to how are you supposed to have a base that believes you're going to advocate for them when you've done nothing to show them really that you either are ignorant of their experience or that you're trying to understand it in the best ways you can and to mitigate the fact that there's hardly anybody that lives their life or something similar to their life in the seat making the laws. People try to shut you up for that, though. Um, I, I was giving a speech to veterans about military sexual trauma mm-hmm. and some of how I coped with it. And at the end, a very thoughtful person asked a question and said, yeah, but you're white, so you didn't have mm-hmm. to face the... And you're straight, so you didn't have to face the barriers that I had to face mm-hmm. to even get care in the first place. And when I began to acknowledge that, I'm like, you are so right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was already on second base when I had to start... Mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to cope with this uh, mental illness. Mm-hmm. And as as soon as I started saying that, somebody from the VA came up and was like, okay, that'll be enough. Okay, and like played me off like I was at the Oscars and they started huh. the music. Because hmm. they're just terrified that you're going to say something that's going to be inflammatory maybe or, or like misguided or Or I'm acknowledging that the VA somehow oh, doesn't yeah. treat people yeah. the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and so... <laughs> you right. know, the, a lot of times when you try to to play that card, you're played off. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's it is inexcusable that there are no black candidates on that stage or candidates of color. It is like where we're at in a country right now and the problems that we're facing. And especially the fact that now Bloomberg is allowed on the stage and Booker and Kamala got knocked out because of the rules that no I'm longer exist for so Bloomberg. miss Booker and Kamala. Yeah. It's like, it's very fucked up. So I can, conti- I believe that, you know, I mean, South Carolina, <laughs> South Carolina has a democratic party that is, you know, massively populated by black folks. And there's a lot of other states that might not have that same demographic, but obviously these issues pervade the entire country and all systems of government. So, Well, Clyburn endorsed Biden today. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge mm-hmm. endorsement yeah. um, for him and the black community Definitely. in South Carolina. But the question is, if Joe Biden ekes out a win of like a couple percentage points in the single digits, is that enough for him? We'll see. Just, just yeah. in South Carolina. Basically. We'll see because yeah. Bernie's yeah. leading in California, Texas, and North Carolina. 
in Colorado and Virginia. But I'm, I'm just yeah. talking about the ones that have 200 plus, mm-hmm. totally. mm-hmm. like the big scores from mm-hmm. Super, Super Tuesday. Yep. There's a lot more that, oh, toast. Yeah. but like they're kind of close, mm. but like how much, yeah. what's the math? How much does Biden have to win by in South Carolina to eke out a win in any of those three big prize states for mm-hmm. Super Tuesday? Mm-hmm. And I really don't know the math for that. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Just based on that debate showing in the polls and, and everything and that endorsement, it does seem like Biden is not gone in the race. I do feel like he's going to see a resurgence over the next mm. couple months, weeks, whatever's weeks i think he's not i don't think he's done yeah and i think biden and bernie won that debate uh, mm-hmm. as much of a shit show as it was yeah yeah i i, I did really well i was reading articles i forget what news source it was but they were talking about the winners and the losers of the debate and they said they thought warren won and i think klobuchar i want to say or maybe hmm. pete Buttigieg and pete Buttigieg, and the losers were bernie they said biden warren Buttigieg won bernie and the moderators lost yeah huh that's interesting yeah i know i mean i think his polls went up and he got a lot of fun like i I don't think it was a bad debate for him in terms of his supporters yeah i think warren did great i don't think she she, i don't think she had the night she had in nevada Mm -hmm. uh uh, and i think klobuchar did pretty good yes warren also seems uh motivated to some extent by bernie's success because she's basically she understands that people are hungry for these progressive policies so she's basically like she's capitalizing on that and saying like oh clearly people want a progressive oh yeah so as 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 she should right Mm -hmm. i think i think it's fair and she is in a position kind of where it's funny because like everyone's knocking on these policies that both of them basically believe like very similar Similarly mm-hmm. on they, they, they believe the same things in a lot of ways. And then since Bernie's a front runner, though, he gets attacked where she just kind of gets to sit here and just be like, mm, <laughs> as they're they're blatantly attacking him for policies that she would often sign off on. Uh, I do want to put this clip in here, though, because this is a Bloomberg clip and he is just completely Mr. Moneybags. And he, he does a really bad job of not talking about people as though they're objects that you buy. Mm-hmm. And he had a moment. Oh, the bot. Where, yes. And he had a moment where he almost said that he bought the politicians that are in Congress right now that Pelosi's been able to effectively utilize against Trump. It was a very big whoopsie moment. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's very funny to me. So let's listen to that. Let's just go on the record. They talked about 40 Democrats. 21 of those were people that I spent $100 million to help elect. All of the new Democrats that came in put Nancy Pelosi in charge and gave the Congress the ability to control this president. I I, I got them. Um, And then to finish it off, my biggest laugh of the night went to Biden when he was going on a sort of rant throughout the night over the only well-behaving, the only well-behaved person when it came to the time, he was like, why am I stopping? No one else is stopping. And he was just having these moments, like a stream of consciousness moments that were very funny. And it made me laugh. So I want to play that for you. I'm not out of time. You spoke over time and I'm going to talk. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. We've got to deal with the institutional racism. Vice President. Mr. Vice President. I know how you cut me Mr. off all the time, Mr. but I'm not going to be quiet anymore, me, okay? Mr. Steyer. Prevent North Korea from launching missiles to take okay. them down. And if we don't, why am I stopping? You, no one else stops. Okay. <laughs> okay, sir. That's my Catholic school training. <laughs> that Catholic school training joke, I thought of you, AG. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I was uh, outside of the gym today and I saw these two women walking down the street and one of them had a big sign that says, Ashes to Go. And they were both wearing white robes and the other one had this purple sack, presumably full of ashes. And I was like, this is pre-coffee. 
So I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening in Hillcrest? And then it dawned on me oh, that it was yeah, Ash, Ash Wednesday. Wednesday. And that they're walking around to businesses giving people the the cross on the forehead and, and giving them their ashes if they're working. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that is cool. I was like, take a picture. And I was like, high five, ladies. And they're yes. like, you want some? I'm like, no, nope, yeah. all good. <laughs> good, thanks. Just a fan of your work. All good. Unless <laughs> <laughs> you can make like a little lightning bolt or something. Yeah. No, that would be blasphemous. Yes. Um, and the last thing I will say, Tom Steyer, I think, did a really good job and has done a really good job of doing a lot of grassroots economic and environmental justice work with black folks. And I thought he did a very good job as sincerely coming off as passionate and listing out all the work that he's done. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to be rewarded for that in the primary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. All right. That was a really long A block, but we wanted to get through all of that. Uh, I'm going to do my coronavirus story after the break. So stick around. If you want these episodes ad free, just go to patreon.com slash the daily beans and all your wildest dreams will come true. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Noom. Every year I tell myself I'm going to get in better shape, and then last year I did. I started using Noom, uh, which I love because the app on my phone has everything I need to get the job done. First of all, they have a food log. They have a step counter. They have uh, nutrition information. They have um, a, a coach to help you, and they have a whole community of Noomers, so you have all the support you need. I used to have to use 10 different apps to do that, and then it's all now it's all in one place. And they were about building healthier habits and feeling better about myself, not necessarily just a number on the scale, which I think was very important to me. And, and although when I did start using Noom, I did lose some weight initially, but I've been using Noom since. I've kept the weight off. It's been a year and a half almost. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything uh, in the app. And they also connect you, like I said, with this assigned goal specialist and the, com the full community of Noomers. So you have all that support. It's really great backing to have. Um, I wanted uh, at first to improve my diet, but most of all, I wanted to stop feeling guilty. And Noom is based in a cognitive behavioral approach, and they use personalized courses to help you reach your specific goals. So you don't have to commit to a lot of time. It's just 10 minutes a day, which was great for me because I'm super busy. And they make it really convenient uh, with the Noom app, and they don't use negative reinforcement. So there's no shaming if you go off track, which I love. I don't like guilt about food, and I don't have it anymore. So this is the perfect time to make a step towards healthier habits. Sign up for your trial today at Noom, N-O-O-M com slash daily beans. What do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash daily beans to start your trial today. That's noom, N O O M.com slash daily beans. You'll be glad you did. Okay, everybody, welcome back. So you watch the coronavirus. I watch the coronavirus. Everybody gets a coronavirus. Mm -hmm. I, that was my Oprah. <laughs> he spoke directly to the public today, um, dusted off that old White House briefing room that we haven't seen in oh, 18 months or whatever. Jesus. It's been Isn't since it? like halfway through Sarah Sanders left. Mm. Um, the Huckabeast. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> leading up to his remarks, we learned that Trump had... Uh, been previously pissy with Azar, which is his Azar, which is his head of health and human services, for making decisions without consulting him, such as bringing Americans infected with coronavirus back to the U.S. But during his remarks, Trump made up numbers, said there were what fifteen cases when there's actually sixty. Uh, everyone double checked the maps. Then yeah. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. He separated. If if my if I was understanding it correctly, he separated the cases that originated, like seemed to have originated in some way in the states, versus the repatriated folks that came back. But it's like 
it's all the same at this point. And he, yeah, he tried to like separate it. But yeah, when you add it all together, it's like way more than 15. Yeah. And 10 were women, so they don't count. <laughs> okay. God. Uh, he didn't say that. But yeah. uh, then he insinuated he would have a vaccine super soon, very rapidly, rapidly, vaccinations rapidly, until an actual doctor spoke mm-hmm. and said, no, my dude, it's going to be a year, a year and a half. Yep. And then... Uh, I I put it out a tweet. Who's he gonna name as the as the coronavirus czar? Is it gonna be Kush? Is he gonna bring back Bannon? What's gonna happen? Ryan's Priebus? Spicy? Could it be spicy? Uh, Mike fucking Pence is the coronavirus czar. Uh, Trump introduced him to give some remarks, and here's what Trump said: He really very expert at the field. <laughs> I had to note that because it was a great sentence. Then Pence got up and said when he was the governor of Indiana, he's a genius because that's when the, f- the first case of MERS was there. So he's totally ready for this shit. Uh, Mike Pence's response to the HIV outbreak in Indiana should disqualify him from heading up mm. anything health related. Mm. In his state and on his watch, HIV was spreading at an alarming rate in 2015 among intravenous drug users. Local and state officials were urging Pence like, hey, 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 mm-hmm. let's distribute clean needles to mitigate this outbreak. That's the answer. Clean needles, clean needle program. Pence was like, nah, that's going to encourage drug use. I'm a my God and this and no harm reduction m- techniques. Mother won't like it. Uh, rebuked the idea on moral grounds and then said he would pray about it for a while. Two months later, he allowed syringes to be distributed and it slowed the spread. Sadly, many people contracted HIV while he was praying about it. So fuck that guy. That was the coronavirus uh, update that I have. What did you notice? Oh, boy. Well, (laughs) the fact that he used this opportunity to just go after Democrats once again, Mm. calling Nancy Pelosi incompetent, um, you know, like just talk, talking about his poll numbers, just just again, it was just rambling and ineffectual and just so and, and, and barely focused on the actual crisis at hand, just downplaying what is happening mm-hmm. and going after his opponents. And he couldn't tell how much money was going to be put into it. He didn't just say anything about yeah. like when when this happened with uh, Obama and Eb- Ebola. Mm hmm. Obama's like, all right, I'm appointing a person Mm -hmm. and they're going to put together a staff. There's going to be a commission. This is how much money is going into it. We're spending this much on this, this much on that, this much on this and this Mm -hmm. much on that. And he brought together all the doctors and scientists and everybody that they that they needed to get this shit done. And they got it done. Mm -hmm. And he's also he's also um, like sowing more chaos. You know, he's saying that the Democrats are making too big of a deal out of this. They're trying to panic people. Um, They're trying to upset you. They don't need to be doing that. Um, and quite frankly, they're not respect. They're, it's not me they're disrespecting. They're disrespecting all of these doctors and scientists, and they're the best people. And they're disrespecting our best people. This isn't a big deal. <sighs> and um, I guess Chuck Schumer said, you know, the president should have been asking for a lot more money for this crisis because it deserves a lot more money. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, we'll take more money, but mm-hmm. not giving any, you know, follow up as to what it would be spent on and what his plan is. Just downplaying what was happening, giving some very loose plans. Saying, he has no plan. Yeah, it's no basically plan. no worse than the flu and then just, you know, talking about how he's going to protect the Second Amendment. Yeah, it feels like... <laughs> like Sergeant Bilko. I have a plan. P-A-L-N. Plan. <laughs> oh, God. What's that from? Sergeant Bilko. Oh, it's a movie? Yeah. 
Nice. Steve Martin. Oh, hell yeah. We got it. That's a great um, Steve Martin impression then. Thank you. We got a tweet today, which was like, I fucking love when AG does uh, Gen X references that go over Jordan and Mandy's heads Mm -hmm. every time. Oh, every time. She was like, I always get them. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes I say them and I don't even tell you that I'm doing them. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't know. Just think they're jokes you made up. Yep. And I laugh. (laughs) (laughs) You get the credit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I did hear Trump say towards the end some like, slightly it was a underhanded compliment to the to congress but he was like oh, you know they're giving us more than we asked for which is a nice change of pace Could, but then he goes couldn't get it for the border wall yep but yep. they can get mm-hmm. it for this and yep. it's like come on yeah. dude yeah, and then yeah. he had to throw in the borders saying that that's why we're secure like yeah. we don't have to worry about it because we have really strong borders mm-hmm. and it's they've it, arrested four it, times as many people as they at the border crossing illegally than they did two years ago it's not mm-hmm it's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, zero wall has been built. They've replaced a couple pieces of it and they have holes in the ladders and it's just, it's it's terrible. Yeah. Outside of politics, something that was said though that I hadn't thought of before because I don't know science is that this is going to come back again next year and now it's just going to be a thing mm-hmm. basically. And, yeah. and the fact that the vaccine is going to take 12 to 18 months to develop sounds really shitty and like way too long and scary and stuff. But it is, if it is going to come back every year, then that's going to be useful. It's not like it'll be too little or it will be too little too late probably for a lot of things, but exactly. Cause we don't know if this is just going to be a pandemic that comes and then ends yeah. or if it's going to be like the just a, a new, seasonal, a new thing that's here, a new seasonal thing that we yeah. have to vaccinate against. Yeah. Creepy and scary. And it's really scary when you're dumb like me and don't understand how science works. Wash your hands. Like, wash your hands. I loved it when the doctor got up there and she's like, "Just wash your hands. Don't sneeze on people. Stay, stay at home." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have people from the CDC and NPR being like, "This is going to cause massive disruption to Americans' lives." Right? They Which got mad it? about that doctor too. Trump was mad about mm-hmm. her, like overblowing the situation, mm-hmm. saying that she's an Obama doctor or something. I don't know. Oh it's my just god! Ridiculous. Obama doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I think called uh, Joyce Vance an Obama lawyer. Oh. She's like, thanks. <laughs> Not really an insult, no, in any sense of any of that. But <laughs> aren't all lawyers Obama lawyers? Really, I mean, <laughs> when you think about it, I except wonder... unless you're the five that work for Trump. <laughs> I wonder if we should if we should all just really lean into it and just have T-shirts that say "Burning 2020." Hell yeah, Makami. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you know, just lean into it. Yeah. Insane. What did you say? Bloomberg's hat. You sent me a picture of a oh, hat God. that he had. Did, I don't think I sent this to you, Ag. It's um, it's Bloomberg's new merch. Oh no. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Why is he selling merch? Why does he need merch? Not a socialist. <laughs> and then on the back it says, "Bring the, bring the boss, bring in the boss, bring in the boss." Yep. And please read the tweet too that goes with it. We've got something in the shop for our capitalist friends. Oh, because it's a cap. It's a baseball oh cap. Oh, my God. Oh. I hate that so much. Bring in Dude, the how, boss. How is that not a fucking like, Republican piece of merch? Capitalist? That's almost as bad as the freaking... What are the straws? 
The, oh, yeah. Trump sucks. Trump, Trump sucks. Or no. Or no, no, no. The ones that he, the ones that they were going to make, the plastic straws in, in a response to straw bands or something. Straw bands suck. Or yeah, it's just something. awful. You're gonna, I'm gonna I think you... they just had, were straws that said Trump on them. Not a socialist. And, and we were going to make ones that say Trump sucks. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. But we never did that. <sighs> Sorry. I hate, <laughs> I hate those, I hate those hats. Yep. <laughs> Just unnecessary. Not a socialist. Bring no, in the bus. No one is saying the Who free market needs him? to disappear. No one is saying that on that debate stage. Literally, no you one. can still be rich. Go ahead, be rich. Right. But anyway, yeah. But not a socialist hats are. <laughs> uh, let's see what else is happening here. Former Donald Trump campaign CEO and complete asshole Steve Bannon used a private jet owned by a wealthy Chinese businessman to fly around and promote Republican candidates in 2018 for the midterms. This, of course, would be in violation of campaign finance laws, which prohibit foreign money from being used in U.S. elections. One of his trips from New York to New Mexico, that that one flight cost $35,000. Jesus Christ. Um, lawyers for Bannon don't dispute that he used the plane, but a spokeswoman for Bannon's nonprofit says the trips were to promote a film called Trump at War and to campaign for all Republicans in general, not a specific candidate campaign rally. Records, however, do not show who ultimately owns the jet. But it is registered to the tiny Republic of San Marino to a company called Whitecroft Shore Limited, which in turn mm. is incorporated in the offshore dominion, the British Virgin Islands. Mm. One of the trips was to support and campaign for Arizona Republican congressional can candidate Wendy Rogers, who, like most Republicans in 2018, lost. <laughs> the New Mexico campaign uh, he flew to was for Senate Republican, Senate Republican candidate Mark Rich, who also lost. Um, not only did the Mark Rich event, he had a rally, violate the campaign finance law, but it also violates a law that doesn't allow direct coordination between a super PAC mm -hmm. and a campaign. And at the time, Bannon was working under his PAC for Republicans in 2018. I hope one day we have an FEC under a Democrat that will prosecute this because it won't be past the statute of limitations if we flip uh, the White House in November. And not only did he break the law... Uh, but the best part, I think, is he broke the law and lost all of his elections. <laughs> Obama's lawyers have sent a cease and desist letter to a pro-Trump group running an ad in South Carolina right now that takes quotes from Obama's book out of context to attack Biden. Obama spokeswoman Katie Hill says this despicable ad is straight out of the Republican disinformation playbook, and it's clearly designed to suppress turnout among minority voters in South Carolina by taking President Obama's voice out of context and twisting his words to mislead viewers. Yep. In the interest of truth in advertising, we are calling on TV stations to pull this ad and stop playing uh, into the hands of bad actors who seek to sow division and confusion among the electorate. The ad opens with a person's voice saying, Joe Biden promised to help our community. It was a lie. Here's President Obama. And then uses a passage from Obama's book describing how the black community had been wrongfully treated in the past, saying plantation politics, black people in the worst jobs, the worst housing, police brutality rampant. But when the so-called black uh, committee men came around election, we'd all line up and vote the straight Democratic ticket, sell our souls for a Christmas turkey. Uh, and so they, they are saying uh, that was not directed at Joe Biden. <laughs> so uh, stop it. <laughs> so cease and desist letter. And the Trump campaign is suing the New York Times for libel <laughs> over a story they reported that, uh, that, that the conspiracy, quote unquote, with Russia. The lawsuit states today the president's reelection campaign filed suit against the New York Times for falsely stating that the campaign had an overarching deal with Vladimir Putin's oligarchy to help the campaign against Hillary Clinton in 2016 in exchange for a new pro-Russian foreign policy starting with relief from economic sanctions. That's all real. Uh, and he's saying it's a lie. Mm -hmm. uh, all my beans on Trump dropping this suit right before discovery. 
Because honestly, mm. discovery could involve a subpoena <laughs> for the underlying molar materials oh God. to the Department an of Justice. loop that he's in. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I'm suing you. Great. We'd like to subpoena the molar records. Oh, mm-hmm. ne- ne- never mind. Oh, oh wait a second. Mm. <laughs> never mind. Which molar, which molar records? <laughs> the report? No, no. I don't know that guy. <laughs> the grand jury molar report. <laughs> no. <laughs> and oh we're learning today that Trump has hired a 23-year-old college senior to be one of the top officials at the PPO, or Presidential Personnel Office. If you've listened to our sister podcast, Mueller, She Wrote, you'll remember the PPO story we yes. did. <laughs> The what sh- the fuck? The shit show frat party where everyone was super young and they were icing each other? Yes. You want to explain what that is, Jordan? Yeah, well, icing, you see, is this very classy game where you take a Smirnoff ice and you hide it somewhere where your friend will inevitably find it. And once they find it, they have to get on one knee and chug the whole Smirnoff ice. On one knee. On one knee. That's the specific part of this. Yes. Uh, this new kid's name is James Bacon. Hmm? Jimmy Bacon, Jimmy Pigs. <laughs> He'll be the right-hand man for John McEntee. Oh, my God. These people belong in, like, a freaking 40s book you... I'm McEntee. See, and this is my friend Jimmy Pigs. <laughs> I don't want to hear any trouble from you, or you're going to be on your knees freaking Smirnoff. <laughs> I don't want any trouble from you. 12-year-olds talking to each other like that. <laughs> Don't make me come up there, see? (laughs) Uh. And uh, Natasha Bertrand put out a great piece in Politico today about more people being removed by Trump from the office of the director of national intelligence. We will speak to her about it right on the other side of this break and what she was able to find out. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Third Love. I'm obsessed with Third Love. I'm happy to share Third Love because wearing an uncomfortable bra is the worst thing ever. You'd come home and you immediately take your bra off, and that's the first thing I used to do. Now I just leave it on all the time. I am obsessed with their bras. They are made tailored for me, specifically. Many women, including myself, fall between cup sizes, which makes it really frustrating to find the right fit. But Third Love is an industry leader with over 80 bra sizes, including their signature half cup sizes, so you can find the right fit just for you. I took their Fit Finder course quiz online just took a minute i was able to find my ideal bra third love uses your info plus data from millions of women who've taken the quiz factoring in cup size and breast shape very important thing to find the perfect bra for you every third love bra is made with lightweight super thin memory foam cups they are the most comfortable thing ever the straps don't dig there's no itchy tag so you are comfortable all day with third love's perfect fit promise you have 60 days to wash it wear it try it and if it's not the perfect fit for you and you don't absolutely love it but you will returns and exchanges are always free and they're very easy. Uh, And they donate all their gently used bras to people in need. So far, they've donated over $15 million in bras supporting charities across the United States. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash dailybeans now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash dailybeans for 15% off today. Joining us today for the interview is national security correspondent at Politico and MSNBC contributor, friend of the podcast, Natasha Bertrand. How are you? Hey, doing well. Good. I wanted to talk to you today because I just read your new piece in Politico and you do an amazing job of summarizing, you know, Trump's attack on the intelligence community from the firing of DNI McGuire to even before that and then to, you know, his other aides and chief of staff being ousted. And we have uh, we've had a little uh, reporting on Adam Schiff 
and his complaints about the NSA sort of slow rolling production of evidence in the Ukraine scandal. But you sort of go into more depth on that in this piece. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this is uh, an aspect of of all of this that we've been curious about since Adam Schiff came out. I believe it was last month saying that the NSA and CIA had been not cooperative um, with the committee and handing over documents related to Ukraine um, and things that might be helpful for the Democrats' impeachment investigation. Um, so we were trying to get more information about what he meant, what he wanted, et cetera, and we we learned that essentially what was happening is that the NSA was providing um, documents under the auspices, of course, of, of normal congressional oversight. And they were telling Hipsy, look, we'll give you this stuff. This is part of oversight, right? Right. Like this isn't political. This is oversight. And Hipsy was saying, yes, you know, this is things that we're using in order to, you know, maintain a check on the IC as well as on the president. Um, so, so that was kind of the, there was like a little bit of a, of a game being played there um, where both, you know, the NSA and House Intel were trying to kind of stay outside of, stay under Trump's radar um, and tried to stay outside of politics. So, and it's delicate, right? Because a lot of the material that Hipsy wanted had to do with Ukraine and, you know, the Russians involvement there, whether or not any, you know, people in Trump's orbit were, were, you know, involved in any illicit conversations, et cetera. So what, what happened was that that ultimately became untenable because Robert O'Brien, the national security advisor told NSA, look, uh, you know, you should really step back and, and stop providing this information to Hipsy until we can figure out what CIA is pushing to produce and CIA ultimately produced nothing. And so NSA had to eventually turn off the faucet too, because it was just unsustainable given the white house pressure um, to keep providing um, those kinds of documents to the house Intel committee. Oh, wow. And I had heard that the kind of Intel that the NSA might have would be, conversations perhaps amongst Ukrainian officials and perhaps other Russians, whereas information the CIA would have would be communications between foreign people and United States citizens. Um, do you have any kind of uh, insight into what the NSA might have been providing and then stopped providing? Like what sort of documents and, and evidence are, are we looking at here? It's a great question, and we've tried to pry this out of our sources, but it's it's nearly impossible. Um, but what we did, so for example, we asked specifically, you know, was it intercepts that the House Intel Committee wanted? You know, what what actually were you turning over, et cetera? And it was obviously like pulling teeth. Um, but what we did learn, and we, we you know, what we were told by a former senior intelligence official who was involved in this process, is that he phrased he phrased it very carefully, is that Nothing was withheld from House Intel that would have been incriminating or damning for the president. So in other words, there was nothing buried per se by NSA at the White House's instructions, according to this former senior official, um, acknowledging, of course, that a lot of the documents, if not all of them that were being turned over, were relevant to what the Democrats wanted to know about the situation in Ukraine, Russia, U.S. people, persons, etc. Um, so he, our source kind of reassured us that, you know, it, it wasn't political to the extent that things were being buried. Huh. Yeah, and that's an interesting way to word that, too, because, you know, I, I kind of get the feeling like nothing would have been more incriminating than 
things we already know. <laughs> Good point. But like, and and yeah, it's it's hard to know. They have very specific verbiage for getting at that thing, at that stuff, um, and 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 you know, making sure that uh, they don't tell us too much. But um, with the with the firing of like Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and the backlash against Yovanovitch from the White House, it's really put sort of this freeze on whistleblowers. Um, so, I mean, are, how do you think that, I mean, if you're at the NSA or the CIA and you, you're sitting on something that's, you know, quote unquote, not buried, but might be relevant or important, what what do you do? I mean, I would be terrified to come forward as a, you know, even people who you have used the legitimate whistleblower process seem to seem to be targets. Yeah, you know, it's a conversation that I'm having constantly with with people in the community. Um, you know, it's it's tough because they're asking the same question, like, who do we go to if there's a politically sensitive tip we get or if there's an investigation we want to pursue um, that might draw the ire of the president? Is it worth even going down that rabbit hole and seeing what happened to people like Pete Strzok, Lisa Page, the whistleblower being you know, attempted, but the president attempted to expose that person's identity. Um, so where the process is still in place, right? I mean, the, the process to go through to, to file a, a whistleblower complaint is still there and it's intact. Um, but seeing, you know, th- the fact that people like Joseph McGuire, who was the acting director of national intelligence and who, you know, for all intents and purposes on the advice of general counsel of ODNI actually blocked the whistleblower complaint from getting to Congress. So in a way actually helped the president. He was even fired, right? Unceremoniously. So this, this is a big question and it's an open one as to, you know, how are people in the community moving forward going to deal with these politically sensitive issues? Because, I've been told more than once that people in the bureau, people in the agency are, you know, kind of not wanting to touch things that might be um, that the higher ups might say, look, you know, we don't need this right now. Well, yeah, Kirsten Nielsen, um, when she she couldn't bring up Russia uh, because it upset the president. And then you've you've got them, them giving the, the gang of eight briefing the FBI about, you know, um election security concerns or national security concerns and and that they're supposed to do that and even that um upset the president enough to where he removed not just mcguire but his what did you say his chief of staff and another aide yeah viraj morani who's the chief of staff um and who's who was there since 2017 and andy holman who was essentially mcguire's deputy um who now is back at cia um yeah and i think it's also important to remember that Bill Barr recently issued a mandate saying that, you know, any new opening of any investigations regarding presidential campaigns or candidates has to be signed off on by him. Mm-hmm. Um, and former uh, FBI folks who, you know, were involved in the 2016 stuff and who, you know, who have since, you know, left the, the bureau uh, even recently said, look, that's going to have a chilling effect because who wants to even launch this kind of thing, knowing that it's going to go up to Bill Barr, who's proven himself to be really a Trump loyalist. Um, so it's it's having a very realistic effect. Well, now you also have O'Brien, who uh, in your article, you point out that he's saying that the McGuire removal and the Gang of Eight briefing are not related. Do, do you have any other... Um... Uh, information about 
the fact that they probably are? Or do we just not have that evidence? So, so it's tough. Yeah, we don't have we don't have evidence um, that directly linking McGuire's firing, like something in writing, for example, directly linking McGuire's firing to that briefing. We just have sources saying that the president was really upset about the fact that he wasn't told about this briefing and that, you know, he was mad that Adam Schiff was told about it and that it might be weaponized by Democrats. Um, but what the White House is saying is that, you know, Brian was always due to leave and that they were looking for Senate confirmed replacements anyway. Um, it's it's a little bit unbelievable because, you know, O'Brien was in talks as of a couple days before his firing to potentially be uh, nominated to serve as the permanent director of national intelligence. And he was telling people that he was actually pretty hopeful um, that he could be nominated for that position. So clearly something changed abruptly and he had to call the director, the national security advisor, O'Brien, to actually find out that he was being ousted. So he learned about it from prep, from reporters reaching out and asking about Grinnell. Um, so clearly this is not something that was well thought out in advance. He was certainly caught off guard by it. And th the only real thing that happened between the period of him expecting to be nominated and being fired was, of course, this briefing that uh, set off the president. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and I think didn't McGuire actually kind of quit before he was supposed to anyway, sort of resigned? Yeah, so he's actually resigned um, from government. Um, yeah. And he, you know, is not going back to the National Counterterrorism um, Center and is just decided to leave altogether. Um, he sent a resignation letter out um, and it was before, uh, I believe, Grinnell was actually installed and actually uh, his deputies, um, who I just mentioned, the chief of staff and, and the you know principal executive, they wanted to stay on and help with the transition period and help Grinnell get you know adjusted because he does not have any intelligence community experience. But they were told to leave immediately um, and kind of pack their things within a day, so they weren't given that chance. Wow, it's just it's very frightening. Um, everything that's happening with the uh, intelligence community, Department of Justice. I have to say. Yeah, it's uh, I think people are, are definitely worried about the, the ramifications of, of how it's being politicized to a greater extent than ever before. It seems like Trump has really tightened his grip um, and folks like CIA, Gina Haspel, CIA director Gina Haspel, who who people had in within the intelligence community and who formers had hoped might hold the line. Um, are starting to see cracks in that as well and, and aren't as convinced that she will stand up to him in the way that perhaps he needs to to be confronted by members of the IC. Yeah, agreed. I'd like to hear from also Dan Coates and Sue Gordon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Dan Coates is laying very low at the moment. <laughs> and Sue Gordon is being very selective with who she speaks to. Um, but I imagine uh, that won't last very long. Well, uh, here, well, cheers to that. Maybe we'll hear from them sometime soon and get a little bit better picture about what's going on. Thank you so much for coming back on. National Security Correspondent for Politico and uh, MSNBC contributor Natasha Bertrand. Thank you. Thanks for having me. She is so smart. I love Natasha. She was with us live in D.C., wasn't she? Her mm -hmm. and Katie Fang both. Yes, that was so awesome. <sighs> Katie just, Fang is so funny. Yeah. I forgot how funny she is. And yeah. Natasha was amazing. She's just, Natasha's like one of the smartest people ever. So thank you, Natasha, for appearing on Daily Beans. First time, I think, on Daily Beans for Natasha. Uh, we'll be right back with some good news to balance out the day. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this portion of the Daily Beans is brought to you by Upstart. 
Upstart is the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score, and they offer smarter interest rates to help pay off high-interest credit card debt. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness, which is really important because it's, it seems more personal that way. They actually reward you based on your education and your job and who you are. Uh, your history, and they do that in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you. So they make it super easy to check your rate. It's just a soft pull, so it won't affect your credit. The hard pull happens after they after you accept your rate. The best part is once the loan is approved and accepted, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 400,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards to meet their financial goals. Financial freedom is so much easier with Upstart. So free yourself from all the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And hurry to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Mandy? Yes. Manda, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell us you the want good, some good news, news, and then I've got a schadenfreude for you. Alrighty. So the good news all comes from our patrons today. Um, just a selection, just a smattering of the good news we received. Um, so from Lauren Murphy, she says, I'm knocking on doors again for Warren on Saturday morning. Last week was my first time doing it, and everyone is right. The sense of empowerment you can get just from doing something is amazing. I thought I'd be overly anxious about the whole thing, but when it came time to start knocking, my excitement outweighed my anxiety. It's been a long time since that's happened for me when doing something new. This week, I'm making cookies for all the other Warren volunteers, too. Aww. That sounds fucking awesome. That's so fun. Isn't that great? That's badass. I love that. Uh, From Sam R., I recently got involved in the political process beyond just voting for the very first time. I'm now a volunteer for the Albert Lee for Congress campaign in Oregon's 3rd District. We're running a progressive campaign that takes no corporate money against a multimillionaire incumbent. I need to thank your show because you've given me the courage to pursue the change I want to see in the world. That's so cool. Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Blooming. Warm fuzzies. Warm fuzzies. Blooming. That right there. That. That's why I started this I know, whole right? thing. That's why we started this whole thing. That, very, that very, gave me very really nice cool. feelings. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Y'all are the heroes. The local um, heroes. Right? I know. We're just mm-hmm. swearing at you. You guys are doing the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you do a lot of work. What the fuck? <laughs> um, this is from Nancy Charlene. I have a nonprofit called Generation Data, which is generationdata.org, that teaches people, especially women and people of color, how to be data staff on campaigns. We just hired an additional trainer and are getting ready to train 36 new students in a few weeks. They will go on to help register voters or win elections all over the country, and we will have three more trainings across the country this year. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, I know. Oh, my God. Couple so more many cool ones. grassroots things. I know, right? And these are, yeah, these are all from our rad patrons. Um, from Jim Finley. Just wanted to share another good experience at my VA hospital this morning. They've been my only source of health care for many years and have given me the best care I've ever gotten. Um, I've had the same great primary care doctor since 2002, five flawless surgeries and counting, and they saved my life in 2011 when I had pneumonia. Um, the second best health care I ever got was in the Navy. Um in between, I had some good uh, uh, job-related insurance, but really, the VA folks are the best. I am deeply and humbly grateful for them, as was my late brother, also a disabled vet. The VA is so important. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Um, and now some non-political ones. From Sarah Nicole, I run a cat rescue called Caddyshack, C-A-T-T-Y, nice. in Illinois, and someone anonymously paid off all of our businesses' debts. Holy <gasps> shit. Oh, Isn't that so nice? That is very chill. I know, right. Good and, news. And where is it? Illinois? Illinois, yeah called Caddyshack, C-A-T-T-Y. That's awesome. From Amy Rath, our good news, and this is a, such a cute one, 
Our good news is that we finalized the adoption for our youngest daughter, who was adopted from foster care. She's been with our family for two and a half years, so it's been quite a journey, but we're all legally a family now. She was very excited to get adopted and have a little party for her, and she keeps asking if we can do it again. <laughs> well, <laughs> Parties every day. You know, right? <laughs> While we love being a foster family, there's something incredibly special to also be able to provide a safe, permanent home when the circumstances are appropriate. That's awesome. That's I very know. cool. So then you get a birthday and a foster birthday. Yeah. I know. Um, a freaking hero. This is the very last one from Jessica Arzate Diaz. My daughter, this is, and she's here in San Diego locally. Uh, my daughter, who was born one-handed, has had a lot of struggles learning how to walk and trust herself. She's nearly two um, and just started walking confidently with help. But we found an incredible physical therapist here in San Diego who she adores, and we're getting her working on walking by herself. She's our first baby, so we're learning alongside her, but she is so strong and amazing. And if anyone in Southern California is listening and is a member or has a child who is a member of the limb-different community, look us up. We get together for community events all the time to help others feel like they're not alone. How do you how do you find that? Um, she didn't give me any info on that, but um, I'll follow up and get more info. Yeah, but I, I assume you just look up limb different community, limb Southern different California. community, San Diego. Yeah, yeah, or so, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all kinds of good news today, you guys. Wasn't that heartwarming? <sighs> yes. Yeah. So happy for all of you. Thank you for telling us all that stuff. Oh, that's nice, mm-hmm. and for doing all that stuff. You guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. Seriously, I knew it the first time we did a live show, and we got to meet and yes. talk with patrons. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was like, all of you are just incredible leaders and people and so generous. Have mm-hmm. the best hearts. Yes. Yeah. I don't know like the intricacies of what attracts certain people to each other, but there really is something about this, like what we do that just fucking brings the best people together. 100%. Like mm-hmm. the best people. Yeah. It's insane. Isn't that great? Yes. I'm going to keep rounding up these stories. Yay. And um, we are going to be releasing, um, if you are a patron, we're going to be releasing some more Q&A episodes soon. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. taping. Mm-hmm. More video. Taping. <laughs> more taping. <laughs> we're going to be putting it on reel to reel tomorrow <laughs> using a VHS You're going to be mailing system. out some VHSs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing that tomorrow. So you should have it probably by Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to do the audio too. We're going to take your uh, advice and put an audio one out as well so you can hear it uh, as, a, as a pod. You don't have to watch it. Yep. And some people are like, I don't need the video. <laughs> I don't need the imagery. While I appreciate <laughs> the concept, I don't appreciate your face. Yes. No, I know that's not what you're saying. Although, please feel free to if that's what you're thinking. <laughs> uh, okay. And now to top it all off, it's time for a little Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. From the Fresno Bee. Excellent local paper. Contribute if you can. The watchdog group called Campaign Legal Center is requesting a federal investigation into whether Devin Nunes has been receiving legal services in violation of House ethics rules. Listen to this clip from 10 weeks ago from our sister podcast, Muller She Wrote. The episode's called Skeevy Chodes uh, with Maya Wiley. She's not the Skeevy Chode. Let's take a listen to this clip. According to the Fresno Bee, Nunes would have to set up a legal defense fund to accept free legal services or to receive money from a benefactor, but members of Congress have very strict rules against receiving substantial gifts, and Nunes has no so, no such fund set up. There are some legal exceptions that allow congressional reps to get pro bono legal services without a legal defense fund, but none of those exceptions or exemptions apply to Nunes because the lawsuits would have to have a public interest and cannot be personal in nature. <laughs>
So that was 10 weeks ago. And now the Campaign Legal Center is filing a complaint that says, quote, Nunez appears to be in blatant violation of House rules because he would have trouble paying for all these lawsuits solely from his congressional salary of 174000 per year. The group argues he'll only be able to he'd only be able to pay if he received legal services for free. Uh, at or at a discounted rate or based on a contingency. And as you heard from our last clip, none of that shit is legit under current ethics house rules. So Nunes has yet to file um, a legal expense fund with the Office of Congressional Ethics. So this is likely an illegal gift to him hmm. under the House ethics rules. Based on that, they're requesting a federal inv- investigation into the matter. We'll keep you posted on that, though I suspect the mechanisms for opening that investigation will be summarily blocked by the tightly controlled Department of Justice or the fact that we don't have a quorum on the Federal Election mm-hmm. Commission. However, it could be investigated easily by the House Judiciary Committee and the Offices of Congressional Ethics. And that is a five-year statute of limitations, Mr. Nunez, and the election is in November. And your ass is grass. And your ass is grass and I'm a lawnmower. <laughs> I have questions. I'm a lawnmower. That's my Jesse the Body Ventura. Thank you. Uh, I think I'm a lawnmower is the episode title for today. Yes. <laughs> and I'm a lawnmower. <laughs> I'm a lawnmower. Nice. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> all right. That's the show. Any final thoughts? Fuck Devin Nunes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Um, and big ups to our listeners. What a bunch of great people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. That's my thought for today, too. Especially, you know, I think everybody's mental health is all over the place. Um, It's just the primaries are only getting more stressful and shit's only getting more stressful. And, you know, anyway, I just you guys lift us all up and it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Remember these things. Remember the adopted foster daughter. Mm -hmm. Remember the caddy shack. Remember, remember these things, the door knocking and and the excitement. And and so, you know, if you're getting Mm -hmm. yelled at on Twitter or if you hear something terrible in the news, Mm -hmm. just remember these things. Remember these stories. Honestly, go outside like <laughs> get seriously yeah, I, yeah, yeah. It, it really helps like social media is 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 an important tool um to connect and to amplify the, the things you have to say but if you're starting to feel enraged at what you're seeing on twitter or facebook or on tv about politics right now just go outside go get involved in something go talk to real people it really helps mm-hmm. and and remember our community god yes i think it's that's what gets me through a lot so yeah yeah, if you if you become a patron, you get access to our closed Facebook group, and there's a lot of solidarity in there, and a lot of a lot of you get a lot of support if you are, especially living in a place where maybe you don't have a lot of like minded folks around you. Yeah, yeah. I say get outside, but if you live in a really conservative place, maybe that's a stressful experience for you. Go to our Facebook group. Yeah, <laughs> and and you know a lot of people can't can't afford it, so if you just subscribe and just know that that when you're listening, there are other people just like you who mm-hmm. are listening that are doing amazing things, Absolutely. and you yeah. do amazing things, mm-hmm. and and that that's that whole fievel. Like, mm-hmm. we're looking at the same moon underneath the same big sky. <laughs> Somewhere. Is that from Cats? That's from American Tale. Oh, mm-hmm. nice. Not from a story cats. about cats. <laughs> I still haven't seen the cats. It's about mice, actually. <laughs> it's about cat tails. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, is yeah. it really about yeah, mice? Fievel's a little Russian mouse. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, and he immigrates, loses his family, but he sings this song about when he's looking at the moon, he takes comfort knowing his family cause is looking at the same oh, moon. Oh, yeah. I know. Anyway, that's how I feel. Uh, Thank you, Flat Earth. That's why that's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Right after this, we're going up in a rocket. (laughs) Everyone, please take care of of each other. Take care of yourselves. Take care of the planet. And take care of your mental health. I've been A.G. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Amanda Reader. And them's the beans. 
The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.